If you use the internet on a daily basis, and chances are you do, you probably don't put much thought into cybersecurity. You know, your network connections, the pages you visit, the files you download. You should be thinking about these all the time. Welcome to And Security for All. Your host is Kim Hakem. We're here to help you understand, in general terms, how and why your cybersecurity should be kept in check. Now, here is Kim Hakem. Well, hello, everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome to the fifth episode of And Security for All. I'm Kim Hakem, your host. I'm also the CEO of FutureCon Events. We produce cybersecurity events all over North America. There was a day not too long ago that we traveled all over North America, but for the past year, for obvious reasons, we've been doing cybersecurity events with industry leaders, industry companies, almost every week virtually. We have been bringing great content, tons of advice, education, lessons learned from these challenging times of the ever-evolving cyber threats. FutureCon is actually my second company that I have started up, and we are in our third year of business, and we continue to grow and have made a huge footprint in the industry as a place where cybersecurity practitioners can come and get information on the latest technologies and continue to keep informed on how to fight the ongoing battle of cybercrime. So welcome to our show. Welcome to any of our first-time listeners. I'm so happy you found us, and we hope that you continue weekly with the show. 2021 has really started off with a huge bang that continues to challenge the cybersecurity workforce. I've had over 20 years working with top security leaders, so I'm excited to have another great guest with a very unique story to share today. Hopefully, you can all walk away with some lessons learned of what to do and what not to do when it comes to cybersecurity. On a side note, this week's been a super interesting week with weather. Not very good things have been happening out there. We had a Texas virtual event we were going to put on. And I just want to give a shout out to all of our friends and clients in Texas. I hope that you guys are almost through all your issues that you have endured this week. And I wish you all safetyness and wellness. Today's show is going to focus on cybercrime and the effects it has on businesses. If you happen to be a small business, can you survive a cyber threat? We're going to discuss very basic issues. We're going to use words that everyone should be educated and aware of to avoid being the next victim. My guest today, just like you, never thought what would happen to him had happened. Recently, at the beginning of the year, Forbes magazine released an article on the five top cyber threats to watch out for in 2021. I'm not going to go into all those threats, but the number one threat was the increased social engineering attacks. And what is a social engineering attack? One type of them is a phishing attack. Um, They're very common and they're actually very scary being these criminals are continuing to find new ways to amplify their tactics to look real. Let me just give you a really easy example of a common phishing attack. You might get an email from your bank or at at least it looks identical to your bank. Let's just take, for example, Wells Fargo. Someone may have that as their bank. You get an email with the exact identical logo of Wells Fargo, and in bold it states, you have been locked out of your account for security reasons. Please click here to unlock your account. They may put some other, you know, emphasize that your account has been hacked, it has been compromised. 
Now you have someone impersonating Wells Fargo Bank. They send you a link that looks identical to Wells Fargo, but has a disguiser on the sending address. It's as easy as that. The common person, of course, is alarmed now because they have the fear that something's going on with their money and emotions take over. And before you know it, you just handed over your checkbook to these criminals. Last week's episode, I had <clears throat> I had Ori Eisen. He's the founder of Trusona. He is the creator of the first future of going passwordless. He works with partners that have been past criminals like Frank Abengal. Um, he was the real life character of the Steven Spielberg movie, Catch Me If You Can. Um, Ori is pioneering the life of no longer having passwords. Why? Because he's on a lifetime mission to stop feeding all this money that are going to these criminals, to the underworld of terrorism, human trafficking, narcotics, the lowest of low of all crime. Again, if you missed that episode on Voice America, please go to my platform. I urge you to take the time to listen to that show. He is the future of getting rid of passwords. He is nicknamed the godfather of passwords. He will go down in history as getting rid of passwords. Cybersecurity Magazine has reported that 60% of small companies close within six months of being hacked. That's pretty alarming. I hope I can have some sort of impact that you will not be one of these people or one of these businesses that fall for these bad actors. And you can be aware of these phishing attacks that are happening every day, all day, until these criminals catch a fish. Don't be their next catch. Which leads me to our guest today. I have Gary Berman. He was a victim of a series of insider hacks for several years. He made the pivot from the victim to advocate. He is the creator and CEO of the Cyber Hero Adventures, Defenders of the Digital Universe. This is a comic series that distills complex cybersecurity information into entertaining and educational superhero stories. He sheds light on all these unsung heroes that are out there working every day, keeping our workplaces safe and secure. 15 years ago, after he built a very successful company with his wife, it was hacked from the inside by some of Gary's employees, eventually leading the company to go out of business. Gary eventually bounced back from that devastation. I mean, what a, what, what a horrible devastation to happen. And he moved on into some new ventures, but the company, all of a sudden he started getting more cyber threats and they seemed to be related to the initial attacks of the company that was shut down. Gary chose to respond to the situation by learning about cybersecurity and effectively transferring his learnings into a comic book for others to utilize. Then the cyber heroes were born. This series chronicles superheroes of cybercrime for educational and helpful outcomes. So welcome to the show, Gary. Kim, uh, thank you so much for having and um, I would say you are a great example of an unsung cyber hero. So thanks for what you do. Well, thank you. You know, thanks for, you know, I know you're super busy with everything you're doing. And I love that you took the time to be the guest on my show today. And I kind of want to um, share what you are doing and what you have done, um, what you have done now and kind of let us understand a little bit about what you're doing. Can you tell us? 
Um, can you share with us, like, what was the first onset of the beginning of your attack? Yes, um, mine, in many respects, was not a typical attack um, in that it was perpetrated by trusted in, uh, insiders. Um, and it's an interesting thing I've learned about this industry. We, we talk a, a lot about zero trust. Well, I think that's probably a pretty good idea. Um, to make a very complicated story short, uh, my wife and I uh, founded uh, the company just from a little office in 1988. We uh, built it up over a 10-year period. Uh, we were very fortunate to have a very specialized kind of research and intelligence that uh, was of great interest to uh, major corporations. Um, we were able to uh, build relationships with uh, giant companies at very high levels and I was considered to be a thought leader in this particular type of marketing communications. Everything was going so great. We ended up uh, through a series of what I call Forrest Gump sorts of things in my life, which you'll see I'll refer back to that reference for good reason. I happened to be on an airplane and I was chewing some uh, bazooka bubble gum. I got upgraded because I used to fly a lot and I popped a bubble and sitting next to me was a guy and he just laughed. And I said, well, you know, you're just jealous because you don't have any gum. And he goes, yeah, I guess I'm jealous. So I gave him a piece of bazooka bubble gum and he proceeded to blow the biggest bubble I'd ever seen. And we hit it off. It turns out uh, he introduced me to the CEO of the, the largest market communications company in the world. And we sold 49% of it of our company to them. It was unbelievable. It was the American dream personified for sure. Things were going so great after the acquisition, our sales increased about 400% uh, from a, a small base, but still it was quite extraordinary. And then unfortunately I, I got injured and I got injured playing in a, a basketball league, a, a Jewish basketball league, which I guess is sort of an oxymoron, um, but uh, I got injured and I developed some complications and was out of my company for an extended period of time. One day I had one of those big Motorola phones. Uh, Kim, I'm, I'm sure you'll remember those big sort of bricks, you know, mm -hmm. that, that you held and were incredibly expensive. So I only used it for, you know, VIP people that I needed to speak with. And I happened to, of all places, be going to the bathroom and the phone rang. And on the other end of the line was a, a client of mine. And I just said, uh, hi, how you doing? And she, and she said, what the F are you doing at your company? And I couldn't believe it. My jaw just dropped. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, we just got a call from one of your employees that there's rampant fraud in your data collection facility and that you were under investigation by the FBI. I literally could not speak. And so I said, well, who called? He says, I, I, I don't want to identi identify her. Then I got a second call and then a third call from two of my other big clients. I said, holy cow. So called an all hands meeting on deck and uh, you know, talked to all, all my people. At that time, we had about 25 full-time people, about 100 people overall. And we said, uh, let's validate all this research. So we immediately redid the work that we were doing, uh, refunded a very significant amount of money for us. It was about $185,000 back to our client uh, just to keep our good name. Like right away, I did, the, did it within maybe three minutes when I realized the gravity of the situation. 
Um, so you know what we found, uh, Kim, after we validated our work? What did you guys find? 100% perfect. And so I said, okay, what is this? You know, three of my biggest clients got called. And that was my first sort of alert that there was something going on. So time goes by uh, and uh, we did all this validation, all extra checks and everything and, and could find nothing until one day, one of my former employees, I saw, I caught him uh, downloading information into a hard drive. At that time, they didn't really have like thumb drives. So it was a pretty big hard drive. I said, what are you doing? And I saw that he got, you know, very, very nervous. And, and I saw that he was downloading our customer information. So I, I ripped out the, you know, hard drive from the computer. And I said, you need to leave right now. And I'll never forget. He looked at me and smiled and said, you have no idea what hacking is. And he laughed. Wow. And I, I, I mean, I was just dumbfounded. And so um, I, I took this information and uh, immediately called my attorney. And we, you know, I explained what had happened. Uh, but we have to keep in mind at that time, cybercrime was not part of the corporate zeitgeist, you know, or the, or the, or the world. It's just not something people talked about. It, was, it, was, it may be happening, but it was never talked about like it is now. You know, of course, you know, every day you hear about it. But at that, that time, no. And I had no idea what was going on. So slowly but surely, like layers of an onion, we uncovered uh, that it, my uh, right-hand person and a couple people essentially cloned my company. So you've heard of, of course, identity theft when someone takes your credit yes. card. This was my whole company and my whole life. You know, the previous 10 years of our life, this was our baby. You know, this was not, you know, some job or something. And it wasn't just me. It was all my employees that were impacted by this. So we started to uncover, you know, some things. And uh, we, we brought the perpetrators uh, in. And uh, for a number of reasons, we decided to just let the matter rest, you know. And we said, okay, cease and desist kind of a thing. And we, we at that time didn't pursue it in a criminal way. Uh, that was a giant mistake. And I was going to say, did you, when you released them, had, was it, did it get worse? You know, after it, it got way worse and that's a giant mistake. So for your audience, the first thing I would do is to make sure that you go to FBI.gov. There are lots of places to report, you know, anomalies and things like that. Law enforcement, you know, is they're they're really good at this kind of thing. Um, so, you know, make sure if you see something, uh, say something. If I could use that uh, expression, mm -hmm. that was my first monster mistake. So. Some time goes by, and all in all, we kept the company going for about five years. Meanwhile, drip, drip, drip. I was paying these people full-time employees. There were a couple other people that still remained that I had no idea they had connections to. It turned out, and I'll say this very slowly, a criminal syndicate. So that's one of the things that was you know, very enlightening to me because people have this image of you know, just some guy sitting with a hoodie, you know, typing ones and O's, but that's just a slice of the criminal enterprise that is, that is, um, you know, uh, black hat hackers or criminals. So all in all, there were 19 attack vectors 
that we identified and we had to shut the company down and we lost everything. We lost our home. Uh, we lost all of our personal savings. And I actually, for some reason, decided to document this stuff. And I have a picture of an ATM receipt that literally showed one penny to my name. And I was a multimillionaire and lost everything. So, wow. yeah. Um, and, how, so, and how many employees did you have at the business? Well, we had about 25 full-time and about another 75, you know, part-time uh, for data collection. So in aggregate, about 100 uh, people. So, um, so, so time goes by, uh, about 10 years intervene, and I worked on uh, veterans' causes. My wife and I started a, a school, uh, a tutoring program for uh, underserved kids after school and things like that. So coming to modern times, about four years ago now, uh, literally just to put food on the table, my wife and I said, hey, why don't you see if I, you know, if you can get back into this marketing ecosystem that you had left 10 years earlier. So I put out a few missives about that, and I was really humbled and honored to be invited to give an important speech to an industry conference. So I gave the speech and all these people came up, Gary, where have you been? Or can you do this or that? I, I got this whole stack of business cards. I came home that night with tears of gratitude in my eyes, you know, into my, into my wife's arms. I said, we're back, you know, Phoenix rising from the ashes. And the very next day, after 10 years of no communication with any of the alleged perpetrators, who, by the way, we were unable to receive justice due to the difficulty of attribution and obfuscation. It's very hard to prove things like this in the criminal justice system. And so the next day after 10 years of nothing, the hack started again. And the first one was with LinkedIn and two of the culprits checked out my profile the following day after I gave a speech. So either A, it was an incredible coincidence or B, they were at this conference or knew that I was going to be there again. And then the hack started again. Boom, 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 boom. Rapid fire. So I said, there's no way, you know, this is happening again. And I said, there's no way anyone is going to believe me. So you know what I did, Kim? What did you do? I started documenting it. I took photographs and videos of things that are anomalous. Now, here's the second piece of advice for the audience. This can be a major rabbit hole and a major distraction, you know, to try to do things you're not qualified to do when it comes to cybersecurity. Focus on the basic things to keep your organization safe. Don't try to do what I did because I just, you know, went down this rabbit hole and, and, and it's very easy to become uh, paranoid. But in my case, it wasn't actually paranoia because there was a legitimate concern. So I became you know, hyper vigilant to be sure. I documented all these things because I knew no one would believe me, as I said earlier, uh, with no intention of what to do with it. So I put them in a PowerPoint presentation just to hold them you know, in some way. And through a series of Forrest Gump things, uh, I was invited to give a speech at the Gartner Security Risk Management Conference in Washington. And I've been a keynote speaker my whole life, so I never get nervous. You know, PowerPoint is my friend, all that stuff. But for this one, I was shaking in my boots. And the reason is I was going to be pre presenting, you know, evidence with air quotes to the cybersecurity community, and they could call BS or misattributions or false positives and all these things. So I was nervous. So I gave the speech, and what do you think happened, Kim? 
Well, I imagine you got a lot of followers from where you are today. I got a standing ovation. And then there was a line of about 30 people wanting to talk to me. And they're asking me how some of this stuff happened. I said, how am I supposed to know? You know, and it turns out I was I was an early victim of, of some of the Bluetooth hacks that now, you know, people know a lot about. But at the time, they didn't. This was about four years ago uh, of uh, uh, Thunderbolt uh, 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 vulnerabilities in the Mac operating system. Uh, there were uh, 36 people attached to my uh, OnStar account in my car, according to the Buick dealership. Um, and and many other crazy things like that. And so that's well, kind of the synopsis. Well, well, what would you do now, knowing everything you know now, and you had to go back, what would you have done differently? Trust, but verify, you know, if I can use that famous slogan yeah. for sure. You know, in this industry, as you well know, has a concept, a uh, philosophy called zero trust. And, you know, it's, it's kind of sad, I think, very sad to me, because I think people are designed to trust one another. We're designed to help one another. And um, and that's why uh, maybe a little bit later in the show, I'll, I'll share with you my big pivot. So, um, you know, the uh, trust, but, but verify. And the second thing is that somewhere in the neighborhood of about 80% or maybe even more of uh, cyber attacks occur because of simple human error. You know, exactly. as, you, as you described very well, you know, in the introduction to the show. Well, and I'm a business owner like you, and I've had my a couple of businesses for almost 25 years. I can't imagine. Well, first of all, the pain of knowing that you had to shut down. But then here you had employed all these employees and you were giving them a means to pay their bills, letting them go. How how was can you explain the emotion that you had to go through with that? Yes. Um, and this is not something I, I really think I've ever said publicly, you know, uh, this part. But of course, I, I suffered all types of, of damage. And one of the things that kind of helped me navigate all this was a book uh, that I had from a long time ago by a very famous author named Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And it was called On Death and Dying. And she basically studied people as they grieve. Because when you lose a business, it's like losing, you know, part of yourself or losing a child, you know, that kind of thing. And so there are different stages. So at first I was in denial. I said, there's no way this didn't happen. And that was a monster mistake. You know, I should have, I should have fought back right then and there, but didn't. You know, then, then I asked, you know, like, why me? Like, what, what did I do? And this is a very important thing for the audience, especially if you're, you know, an SMB, a small and medium business you know, you are sitting ducks. You think you don't have anything valuable until you don't have it anymore. Like, you know, as a victim of ransomware or things like that, they shut down everything until you pay them back. So SMBs are incredibly vulnerable and the criminals know that. They know that you're not staffed with IT people or cybersecurity people, you know, and that uh, it could be a small medical practice, you know, it could be a, a law firm, you know, it could be an accountancy, uh, so many different things are uh, types of businesses are, are vulnerable. So you should know that um, this could really destroy your life. And as Kim mentioned, you mentioned Kim uh, earlier on, 60% of small businesses close in six months for the reasons I'm saying, you know, you just think about it, you lose your ability to communicate with all your, your business. And then when people find out about it, they don't want to do business with you because they think they're not secure. 
So, you know, unbelievable. And, and, yeah, and, uh, and, that, and that's what the criminals are doing. I mean, that they just sit there all day long and they find the weakest link. And there's a lot of weak links. And so it's, it's you know, we read these stories at what Cybercrime Magazine said, that if a small business gets hacked, they're going to go out of business in six months. I have... You know that that is alarming. So what do you do? You know, we this series gives you all kinds of advice of what to do. So, um, well, you know. I mean, just to um, forgive the interruption, just to go back for the emotional side for a minute, and this is what I was saying that I never really told anybody, but my my family was so worried about my mental health uh, that they actually thought that I might commit suicide. And so one, one, one day, a family member knocked on my door at seven in the morning, and he happens to live out in Los Angeles, and he just showed up. I said, what are you doing here? You know, is, is mom okay or, or that, that kind of thing? And he said, oh, yeah, just go, you know, throw on uh, some clothes. We're going to go to a meeting. I said, what do you mean we're going to a meeting? You know, and then, and then my better half, my, my lovely wife, uh, came out, and she was dressed. I said, what's going on? So to make a very complicated story short, because of their love and concern for me, they had booked an appointment with, with a psychiatrist uh, at the university where I live. And I said, what? Anyways, I went to this and um, basically I took a picture of me at the psychiatrist's office and to just assuage your concerns, I went through a kind of therapy with my wife for a period of six months and just to process all this stuff. And then um, after six months, the, the psychiatrist said, you, you don't need to come anymore. I said, okay, like, what's your diagnosis? What do you think? And he said, and this is a quote, he said, I wish all my patients were like you, Gary, there's nothing wrong with you. And then he did give me a prescription. Can you guess what it was? You can tell us. I might be able to guess, but you can tell us. Benadryl. Oh, okay. Then not what I would have guessed. Me neither. I said, What? He said, if you're ever feeling a little edgy, you know, it'll take the edge off. So, you know, you know how many bottles of Benadryl I've had in the last four years? Uh, how many? None. Well, that's good. <laughs> I've, I've channeled all that energy into what we'll be talking about, uh, you know, after the break. Well, um, I think um, looks like we might not be taking a break. So let's just move right along. How long did it take before you decided not to be a victim and start the path of being, being, oh, we are, I'm, my apologies, we are going to take a one, um, break. So um, we're going to come back after a short break and we're going to discuss the birth of the Cyber Hero Adventure Show. And I'm want all of our viewers you can go look up cyber hero adventures you can google that you can see what gary's doing now and how it is very animated and he has turned something fun into a platform to educate all of our listeners so we will be back in about two minutes and we will move on to talk about what gary is doing now thanks for tuning in and we will see you in a few minutes Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you a cybersecurity professional that needs to earn continuing educational hours? 
FutureCon Events brings high-level cybersecurity training discovering cutting-edge security approaches, managing risk in the ever-changing threat of the cybersecurity workforce. Cybersecurity is no longer just an IT problem. To learn more about attending a virtual event, go to futureconevents.com or email info at futureconevents.com or follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter at FutureConHQ. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Don't miss the weekly FutureCon seamless podcast series focusing on the insights and thoughts of chief security officers and industry pioneers making a difference throughout the world. Kim Hakem, CEO of FutureCon Events, and Darren Anderson, CEO and co-founder Next Robotics, host seamless podcast started by a team of entrepreneurs with experience in fields like smart cities, technology, cybersecurity. The result is a series of podcasts unlike anything you've ever heard anywhere. Listen where you get your podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to And Security for All with Kim Hakem. To reach the show today with your questions or comments for Kim or her guest, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to khakem at futureconevents.com. Now back to And Security for All. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Kim Hake. I'm your host. You can also, my guest today, I have Gary Berman, B-E-R-M-A-N, and you can find him on LinkedIn if you have any questions for him, and you can find me on LinkedIn as well. We've been discussing what happened with Gary's business that he had for 25 years and the unfortunate thing, the unfortunate thing that took his company down, which was insider threats. And now he has turned from being a victim to an advocate. And we're going to spend the second half of the show talking about what he has done and how he pivoted from that. And now he is the creator of the CEO of Cyber Hero Adventures, Defenders of the Digital Universe. Gary, let's just start. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how that happened? Sure. Uh, thanks again for uh, this opportunity to share uh, my Forrest Gump journey into cybersecurity. And so uh, sort of the first part is sad and scary and bad, but the second part has been the happiest period of my life. So I want to make sure the audience understands that you can uh, make lemons out of lemonade, to use that analogy. And so after I realized you know, so the, the gravity of what happened, I said, okay, I'm going to jump in with both feet and learn about cybersecurity. But where do you start? 60 years of age, you know, in a field that's incredibly complicated. So I got a book called Cybersecurity for Dummies. And Kim, have you ever seen those yellow books like with the black stripe? 
I have, and I actually went to that book because you told me you went to it, and <laughs> what you're about to say, you're dead on. So go ahead, <laughs> you just say that. Yeah, well, thanks for doing that. Um, so I, I, I'm waiting, and I got this book, and I'm all excited. You know, I said, okay, I'm going to jump into this, and 10 pages into that book, I was lost. <laughs> so. Yeah. Rather than quitting, I, I found the company that had created it. It was a, a great company called Palo Alto Networks. And I talked to the uh, C- CSO and, and I told him that. And he starts laughing. And I'm a funny guy, you know, having lost everything and trying to start over at six years of age into this field that I knew nothing about. And he's laughing. So finally, you know, I asked, so why are you laughing so hard? And I'll never forget this. He said, well, it's not really for beginners. And that's when my head exploded. Then why do you call it cybersecurity for dummies? And that's when I realized there had to be a better way to distill complicated technology information into something that the rest of the world could get their heads around even a little bit. So I said, okay, I have to learn about this stuff. So I decided to go to a conference and then another one and then another one. And over a period of three and a half years, I've been to 53 cybersecurity conferences listening and learning from the smartest people in the world about all this stuff. And I eventually matriculated to become a reporter for cybersecurity uh, type magazine, which was uh, great because then sort of the, the ecosystem flipped on its head and all these people wanted to come to me to write stories about their solutions or their companies or their mission or all these amazing things about all these varied topics. So I jokingly say that, did, did you know, Kim, I have a PhD? No, I did not. Congratulations yeah. on that. Yeah, I'm poor, hungry, oh. and driven. <laughs> okay, I've been there that, before. <laughs> that's my PhD, poor, hungry, and driven. I don't know where I heard it, but that's me. <laughs> I like um, that. And, and, but I did pick up a few things, you know, after three years of, of doing this. So I had, you know, I knew a little bit about many, many things, but, you know, nothing in depth at all. As it happens, I saw Spider-Man, and that's when the light bulb went up. Superhero comics. But you know the problem with that? What's that? I had no idea about superhero comics. <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, how, how do you do that? You know, how do you tell stories? Where do you get stories? What, what, what does illustration look like? Copy, thought bubbles, you know, uh, frames. It was, I knew nothing about it. So I said, okay, I'm going to give a taste of that. And another Forrest Gump moment uh, brought me to my first Comic-Con. Have you ever been to a Comic-Con? Well, I actually haven't been to a Comic-Con, but I was putting on a cybersecurity event in Los Angeles at the very building where Comic-Con was happening. So, you know, we'd see all these interesting, you know, attendees passing by and you know what they look like. So that's... that's, Well, exactly. And uh, so, uh, but I didn't know. So I, I just knew that there was a conference where I live in South Florida the following morning. And so I put on my blazer, my white shirt, you know, khaki pants, dress shoes, put my backpack on with my laptop because I'm going to a conference. So pull into the parking lot of this convention center and within maybe not more than a minute, this woman with giant butterfly wings and a green (laughs) face and and antenna, she says, sir, I think you're overdressed. Boom, went my head again. 
you know, and that was the understatement of the year. So I, I jumped into that whole ecosystem, you know, I mean, and I, and I developed a passion and a respect for the people who spent so much time and energy and passion and money, you know, creating these alter egos and, and uh, you know, the creativity, the storytelling, you know, the drama, you know, uh, cosplay, you know, <laughs> wrestling, you know, I mean, it was just nuts. So I, I said, okay, you know, I'm going to have to learn about this. So I started studying the best. Um, Stan Lee, uh, the creator, of, uh, one of the creators of Spider-Man and, of course, Marvel Comics. And I learned about, you know, something essentially called the Marvel way and how to do that. And then I had to learn about storytelling. So I learned about uh, this great mythology guy named Joseph Campbell, who created something called the Hero's Journey. And I just, you know, like learned about that. And um, but there was one giant piece that I was missing. What are the stories? So uh, I couldn't think of anything else. So I went to LinkedIn and Kim, one at a time, I did a search by CSO, which stands for Chief Security Officer. And I invited them one at a time to connect with me to send real life stories of cybercrime, answering the questions, you know, what happened? What were the consequences? What were the lessons learned? Like that, you know, in a superhero sort of way. Uh -huh. I invited them one at a time. And over a nine month period, starting at four in the morning, I invited 62,150 people one at a time to connect with me of the most important people in the world in cybersecurity. And I was in, I'm incredibly humbled to say that as of this morning, I have 22,754 connections with the most important people in the world in cybersecurity. It's nuts. So then, well, how do you tell a story about something so technical? I mean, you know, are you going to show just some, some guy in a hoodie typing in ones and O's? I mean, that's not entertaining or engaging or anything. So we, we took real life cybercrime and anthropomorphized the villains and gave them characteristics like there was a very famous hack a couple of years ago, Will uh, Wanna Cry, which was very serious. It spread way beyond probably its intended targets. Um, the, the, maybe uh, North Korea, a lot of people say was behind it, but it was the name was Wanna Cry. So we created this roach looking character called Wilbur Wanna Cry. And that led <laughs> to Ivan the ID thief and Boris the bug and Vernon the virus and Phoebe the fisher each of which, you know, has their own real life origin story, which is an educational component for big corporations, for SMBs. And we're even uh, uh, starting to work on something for kids. Um, and so we did some prototypes. They were awful. I, I worked with some artists in, uh, uh, through a, a, a gig economy thing, Fiverr, that were overseas. And the only time they could help me was at four in the afternoon, their time, which was four in the morning, my time. I got up this morning, Kim, at 4 a.m. and started working. And you know what? I'm not a morning person. <laughs> well, Gary, I just for time's sake, I want to jump into now what is. Let's talk about what you've created and what it's doing and what impact it's making in the cybersecurity. And if you can give us some examples of some of these heroes that you're, um, you know, that you're, you're, Putting into this comic series. And one other thing I want to say is not only, you know, you, you can tell you're an entrepreneur because who would come from a marketing company to all of a sudden now you're in this, you know, now you're a comic script writer per se, <laughs> you know. So. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, um, so all my all the heroes are real people, you know, which is incredible because you know my mission became shining the light on the unsung cyber heroes who toil in anonymity to keep us safe at work and home and at school. You know, now all three in one place. You know, for a while, and so the first guy I wrote about was named uh, Keith Fuentes. Uh, he was the, like the very first guy I, I ever met. Uh, at a conference, and uh, he's at Samsung. He, he's a senior guy over there, and I told him my story. And at first, you know, like everyone, you know, they wanted to see some evidence, so I showed him evidence, and and he was the first guy to believe me. And he actually came to my home with one of his senior engineers to scrutinize some of my my stuff. And not only did they believe me, they gave me some of their equipment to help, you know, stop the attacks, and and it, and it really worked. Um, and uh, so he, his dad was a big guy in the FBI, and he always wanted to be an FBI agent, but got injured right before taking a physical exam. So I made him an FBI, uh, you know, agent in my comic. And um, when he saw it, he literally broke down in tears. It was one of the happiest moments of my life to bring joy to this unsung hero. So he was one. And, and there's um, you know, another great guy named Tom Brennan. I, I met him at a conference as well, and I could tell he was just head and shoulders above everyone else in terms of his content. And and uh, Scott Schober is incredible. Uh, he he's a guy. He's, a, he's actually yeah. He's on my podcast later today. So. I oh my Scott. gosh! Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Well, the audience will love him. He's he's like one of the smartest guys I've met. Um, and uh, Ron Craig is another guy in cybersecurity. So, you know, one of the things I've been really just privileged and blessed by is, is all these great helpers of the world, you know, and, and I want the audience to know that they're way more good people than there are criminals. And um, so we uh, started doing these comics. They became a hit. I connected with high-level people in the industry through what are called ISACs. Uh, information sharing and analysis centers. And and we started uh, doing these comics. And for uh, a while, uh, uh, we didn't have much traction, but then it just kind of exploded. And and then when COVID hit, I decided to do a video show, the Cyber Hero Adventure Show, and um, just like the same mission that you have, but we shine the light on these unsung heroes. And today we we did a cool show on deep fakes and... Um, incredibly interesting, important work. And it's all, all on LinkedIn Live. I haven't set up my social media yet. So if there's well, anyone- Can you there, let our audience know? I'm sorry, and you can you can promote yeah. that show in a minute. Can you let them know what a deep fake is? Yeah, is um, this incredibly powerful technology that can replicate human beings to the point where you really can't tell the difference. And it has incredible implications. Most of them are, are really quite serious. If you think about nation states, you could do a deep fake of you know, the president and have him saying, we're gonna be attacking somewhere. And there'll be a set of people, quite a few people from what I learned today that can't tell the difference and you know, we'll just believe it. So it's, it's the next generation of disinformation and misinformation um, although there are some positive use cases, like you can bring old actors back to life and things like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's, it's in, uh, to me, incredibly uh, serious and dangerous. Um, so can you explain what like your show looks like? If you want to go back to talking about your show and how it's on LinkedIn Live and let our um, listeners know a little bit more about that show and what people take away from that show. 
Thanks for asking. Um, you know, because this industry is so serious and the work we do is so serious and significant and scary, there's actually a term called FUD, which stands for fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And my mission is to kind of slowly move the entire industry, which I use as a metaphor of an aircraft carrier, kind of slowly move it. And you have all these jets landing, all this kinetic stuff happening all over the place. But the, but the industry itself is moving slowly from fear to fun. And so we know what fear, uncertainty, and doubt is. There's good reason to have those emotions, to be sure. But you don't want to operate full-time on that because it's not good for your spirit. It's not good for your body. And it's and there's another way. And that's fun. So I take a lighter approach on my show We uh, in, in, in terms of uh, deep fakes. Uh, sometimes, well, what I did today, I had this amazing uh, re world-renowned uh, guest uh, on the show to talk about the substance of it. We show videos of deep fakes. We show examples of it so that the audience can get their heads around what this particular particular technology does. And then we have discussions about it, but but we do fun things too. Like if, if uh, he, today he said something that blew my mind, I'll put like a Batman graphic, like bam, pow, wow, you know, and um, and other kind of uh, fun, uh, fun things. I, I, I played, uh, so I, I was talking today a little bit about my better half and, and how, uh, you know, she kind of, you know, thought I was nuts. And so I brought out, this is a doll that you won't be able to see, but you can hear. And this is uh, what I gave my wife uh, to keep her sane. I'll pay for that, honey. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> honey, I hope we can spend the holidays with your family again this year. So it's all these, <laughs> these really funny affirmations. So the show is fun and funny and entertaining about a, a topic that isn't. You know, and that's the idea, you know, to um, turn something, you know, from from FUD or fear, you know, to, to fun. So, again, now, how could if our listeners want to go, how do you keep them updated on your shows and where can they find your shows? The easiest way is to connect with me on LinkedIn. And my name is you know, Gary Berman. And I'm the guy dressed as a superhero, so you're, you're probably not going to miss me. And you just connect. And then when I uh, when I go live, uh, you, the thing about about live for me is there's cybersecurity things change and happen so fast that we're kind of a rapid response sort of uh, group. And so if something's breaking, uh, you know, in terms of cybersecurity, which there always is, I'll do a show that day. And very few people watch our shows live because of that. But we get, you know, between 500 and a couple thousand people watching each episode now. That's awesome. And, you know, you're right. We can't keep up with this industry. Yesterday's news is old news. I mean, the things that are happening, we don't know what's happening right now while we're on this show. So how are you, if, if you're planning out a show and then something, there's a big break that's on the news, do you just pivot over to that with your shows? Well, uh, almost. So, for example, next week, you know, we're, we're going to be doing something on mental health in the industry because you know, this is an incredibly high-stress industry, cybersecurity and technology. Um, we'll be doing something called Hacking Back, which is if you're attacked, you know, should you hack back? And this has a lot to do with Department of Defense and government and nation states and all that. We're doing something uh, called uh, about Bug Bounty, which is this um, – uh, a really great program where uh, corporations pay uh, threat researchers, you know, the white hat researchers 
uh, to find vulnerabilities in their system, and then they get paid rewards. Um, and uh, so we're doing those shows uh, next week. But if something breaks, you know, I can I can have some of the world's leading experts on the show within 30 minutes, and and we'll just do a live broadcast, and people then get it on demand. We're uh, we, we have these shows right now on cyberheroescomics.com and we're actually, uh, we, we kind of got a sponsor. Uh, th this great company agreed to redo our website. <laughs> well, so. that's great. Well, you know, I'm sure this must be your passion now because of what you've gone through. So at the end of the show, do you, do you end it thinking, you know, what impact did I make today? What are some of the impacts that you feel you you've done with these shows? Well, it's all about the guests. They're the ones who make the impact to be sure. And they don't get to speak out very much. And so just like what you do with your show, you're, you're giving them a platform, a voice, uh, a way to uh, say thank you to them, a way for them to educate the viewers. And we so far have been getting extraordinarily generous feedback about the content and the style of the show. And my, my fantasy would be if there's anyone from a broadcast or cable network, let's, let's do it, CNBC. <laughs> <laughs> well, you may, be on the, you may be on the track to that, you know? I mean, you're doing something that in our industry, we're not seeing a lot of. We're, you know, we're just seeing the other side of it. Um, unfortunately, the people that are on your side are so broken often that we don't, you know, you read about a company going out of business and, you know, you just don't hear about them and it, it's sad. And during COVID, you know, the, the, everything's gotten worse as far as, you know, phishing attacks and as far as shared networks and, you know, there's so many more vulnerabilities because everybody's working from home. So, um, what, if you had to give some advice, you know, a word of advice, what you would leave to all of our listeners. We have a couple of minutes here. What would that be, Gary, from everything, the lessons that you have learned to where you were to where you are now? Do what you love and love what you do. And, you know, my mom raised me to be an optimist. And while it's true and perfectly accurate, your description of the way things are, there are green sprouts and they're actually green sprouts all over the place in terms of innovation. And this, I think would be a really cool time to pursue, to pursue a, something you're incredibly passionate about uh, because everything, I mean, everything has been disrupted. So while it's true, disruption is difficult. And really the only people that like change are babies who have wet diapers. So, you know, I, I, I get the difficulty of, seeing through the fog, you have to clear your head and get out of the fog of the moment, which once again, uh, as you said so so beautifully, uh, you know, uh, my thoughts and prayers are with all the people in Texas and everybody who's suffering through this, this uh, one after another after another, you know, kind of disaster. But there's a very famous line in Jurassic Park when the guy says, life finds a way. And the reason that I know that that's true is you and I are sitting here chatting. Exactly. 
Exactly. And, and Gary was on our show and it was kind of a unique um, episode, but we had him share the same story. And usually that is a spot where we have chief security officers talking about lessons learned and, you know, cyber attacks. It was nice to have Gary's story to see that you can come out of something that is you know, as drastic as that, where you lose everything. And now here you are a true superhero. So, um, yeah, I mean, someone, uh, you're very kind to say that Uh, someone uh, asked me, you know, kind of how I was doing the other day. And I said, I'm almost ashamed to say it, but this is the happiest I've ever been by far. There is, you know, by far, I mean, because, you know, having uh, reason to get out of bed in the morning, which, by the way, a piece of advice, make your bed. Um, I, I learned that from a general who wrote a book about that. And I, I agree I, with you. I was in the military and I, I, I learned that same thing. And I try to tell my daughter that every day, but she doesn't listen to me. But um, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just want to thank you so much for you know being on the show. We have Gary Berman. He's the creator and the CEO of the Cyber Hero Adventures, Defenders of the Digital uh universe you can go find gary just it's super easy to find him he is that man that has a cape on a, a batman <laughs> top cape he's very easy he, he pops out and it's uh gary g-a-r-y-b-e-r-m-a-n thank you for being on the show gary um we hope to have you back so we could talk more our time is limited so you know um thank you for everything you're doing thanks to all of our listeners today. I hope that you come back. As I mentioned, all of our episodes are on demand. So you can find our shows on the platform if you have anybody you want to share the show with. So um, we continue to bring great guests. This was our fifth episode and you we had lots of great um, speakers and guests that you can find on the platform. Next week, we have Dan Lorman. He's an internationally recognized cybersecurity leader, technologist, keynote speaker, author. We're going to be talking about the human element of cybersecurity, more stories on phishing, spear phishing, whaling, what's new, ransom attacks, and trends. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Security and for All. I'm Kim Hakem. Stay well and stay safe, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning into And Security for All. Be sure to join your host, Kim Hakem, for another episode of the show next Friday at noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Business Channel. And don't forget, you can follow Kim on LinkedIn by searching for Kim Hakem. That's Kim, H-A-K-I-M, to keep yourself posted on all of her upcoming cybersecurity events. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and 